Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Like this is quality entertainment. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. At right, TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackey and Judd today, Zolgad and Collar, and I'm now joined by our buddy. Chip Scoggins of the Star Tribune. Thank you, David Harrigan. So, Collar, what, what's this bet you've got with Chip? All right, Chip and I formed a bet during either OTA or minicamp. I can't remember which. And I love it. Over <laughs> under 0.5 touchdowns this year scored by second-round pick offensive lineman Brian O'Neill. Chip, state your case. You think he's going to score a touchdown? I think he will. Uh, I think they'll show it early. <laughs> I think they'll show it early in the season, right? I mean, you got to put stuff on tape early. Um, no lying. I think he's you right. Know, red zone, throw a wrinkle out there. DiFilippo kind of, you know, dips into his bag of tricks and they throw one. And then I don't know that he gets much more, but you may see him out there just as a, as a decoy. But I, I could see them early on throwing that wrinkle out there just to, to put it on tape and give teams something to think about. I took the under, but... This has created some new drama for the early season. And, and if we go on and he doesn't score and he's not out there, and then we're going to be wondering and Chip and I can debate. So this is, a, this is a milkshake bet. I don't think that they do. I think they bring him out there for that purpose, and they probably had him catch some passes in minicamp just to show that and know that some of us idiots would tweet it out. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm having a tough time seeing them like, oh yeah, we're going to have this guy eventually as our franchise tackle, so we're going to hand it off to him. I, I don't know. Let me ask this. Collar, does preseason count? No. No. It's got to be a real touchdown. Preseason, okay. as funny as that is, and that allows for a lot of trash talking between you and I, because you're yeah. going to feel like you're right if he, if he catches one. <laughs> It's got to be regular season. Chipper, I think... You know what? They might do it in preseason just to have it out there. I can see that happening. And that's why I don't want to put preseason on it. Because I could totally see that. Yeah, I still think we see one in regular season. No, 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 Chip. You're you're right. And they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it in exhibition season because because this could work. And I think you hold it for, for like you said. How about this? Week two in Green Bay. I I think you're I think you're right. I think they're going to do it. He's built yeah. like a tight end. He looks like one. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I I think it's you know I mean we obviously saw it in camp and and it got collar excited and he, he <laughs> tweeted it out right. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so so oh, it got a ton um, of retweets too. It got yeah, I got his talking and and I just you know hey if it's an option and he can catch it and. Why not use it? And so it just gives, you know, it gives defenses something else to think about. So 
Throw it out there in week one, week two. That'd be great. All right, caller, tell Chip Scoggins what you spent the last hour being giddy about. Oh, I found uh, I found all of Judd's old tweets from <laughs> minicamp 09 and training camp 09, and some oh, of yeah. them are just beautiful. My, my favorite one, Chip, and you will appreciate this. I retweeted it as well. This is from um, July 21st, 2009. Judd tweets, John Sullivan practicing his long snapping on the field, but it's John David Booty who appears to be taking the snaps. Hashtag Strib Vikes. Your reaction. What was it? What was this? Well, I do remember, <laughs> I can't remember the year. But I remember the first year we were at camp and... <laughs> We're like, what is this Twitter thing? How does this work? And we started tweeting just the most, basically everything. I'm walking down the road, strip bikes, you know. Yeah. I mean, and but fans loved it. We're like, oh my gosh, there's something here. And I had, I, I'm not going to lie. Jeff Shelman was a former colleague um, who, who's no longer with the paper, but a good friend of mine. He had to stop following me on Twitter. He's, I can't take it. I mean, it, we were just tweeting so much that he stopped. He stopped following me every time. Uh, we had training camp because we were tweeting so much, but um, I'm sure there's some gold golden tweets in there from Judd and myself. It's probably embarrassing. To it was oh, it was looking. 2009 because we both joined it that that year, and that and that turned out to be the five-year chipper. And yeah. and if I'm not mistaken, the two of us tweeted the exact same thing probably 500 times. Okay, I've got I've got a chip. I've got your John David Booty tweets. Benny Sapp Uh-oh. makes nice play to knock ball out of Percy Harvin's hands on a pass from Booty. Hashtag Strip Vikes. Man, can you imagine being at your desk and seeing that? Like, wow, this Benny Sapp is really going to do it. We literally tweeted every play yes. from Vikings camp. I, I can it see was, that. Yeah. It was a big deal. It, it worked. worked. At Chip Scoggins. no idea what we were doing. Tweets, nice throwing catch from Booty to Glenn Holt in 7 how and 7. Old, how old were you in 2009, Matthew? How old were you? I mean, how old was I? Because I mean, we, were, we were driving like the Model T at the time. Like that was Chip and I on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was like in college, I think. or We were discovering, we were, we were older guys, right? Trying to educate an audience that we didn't realize would love this stuff. Bobby Williams yeah, makes and- nice catch on pass from Booty down sideline. <laughs> <laughs> I will say fans loved it. The feedback we got was great. So um, as bad as we were at tweeting, I'm probably still bad. But yeah, still bad. Um, as bad as we were, it, it definitely uh, uh, it, it sparked some interest. Your thoughts on this this team, Chip, and I mean this poor fr- franchise too, with uh, yeah. t- Tony passing away, which is on su- Sunday, which is certainly tragic. But I mean. And I wrote this, you know, there's no timetable here. Like, this isn't no. a guy got hurt or the Bridgewater thing where you're like, yeah, that's really, really sad, but but get past it in a week. This, to me, is is something where it's going to basically be on a person-by-person basis as far as, as the grieving process goes. Yeah, and, and it's you think about the, the, the relationship that position coaches particularly have with their players, because these... These players don't spend a lot of time around the head coach, mm-hmm. or nearly as much as obviously the position coach, even coordinators. And so, being out yesterday, Judd, and, and listening to Spielman and, and Zimmer, uh, it was quite obvious that this is something that has rocked the organization. And, and he was uh, very well regarded, players, coaches. Um, and so, it'll be interesting to see, you know, particularly the offensive linemen, how you know how they're able to kind of compartmentalize this. And deal with it by also, hey, you got to go to training camp, you got to practice, and it's hard, and you're going to have a new coach there, and 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 
you know, I assume they'll try to keep things as similar as possible the way that Sperano coached, but it's a different voice. It's a different, uh, be a different way of coaching. And so that'll be something that they have to get used to while dealing with, you know, the grief and sorrow that they have for someone that they, you know, was clearly beloved in that building. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it was a tough day out there. You could tell, and it's not something you can just snap your fingers and you're going to be better. This is something they're going to have to deal with for a while now. And, um, every guy may handle it differently. That's a pretty young group, uh, in terms of the, the, uh, the offensive line room. And so, you know, some, some of these guys that may be the first, uh, situation where they dealt with death. And so you don't know how they're going to respond to that. But they, I will say this, you know, we talk about family and, and Vikings do it all the time. It's a tight knit group. It's a tight team. Uh, they have great chemistry and camaraderie in the locker room. So I think they will be able to, you know, rally around each other, but this is something they just have to work through. So Chip, we were talking about earlier, kind of filling out our curiosity, confidence, and concern around the team. Uh, clearly concern goes for the offensive line and, and what they're dealing with. But what are you most curious about going into camp here? Um, probably what concern is what you said, offensive line. The most curious is just how fast this offense can kind of gel and how, how, how quickly uh, you see that relationship, the chemistry with, with cut receivers. And we saw some hiccups in, in, in the OTAs and minicamp where there was interceptions. I and mean, we saw the one thing where – uh, the one day where uh, Cousins pulled Adam Thielen aside and was showing him how uh, to run a you know run a route. Adam ran it one way, was used to receivers throwing it, uh, running it another way. And so that's still, I mean, that's going to be a process that'll play out through camp and you know in, in the preseason and, and probably uh, some into the regular season. So that to me is probably the most curious thing is. How fast can everybody kind of gel and get on the same page and form that chemistry? I want to know this. Do we have a kicking competition, or is this just a dog and pony show? Because Forbat's being brought in, and I could see Zim telling Rick Chipper, hey, you can't give me a a fifth-round draft pick as my kicker alone. So if this is truly a training camp competition, which I doubt a little bit, this would be the first one, I think, the first true one since, like, 2005. Yeah, I don't... I, I guess in the, the classic definition, it's a it's a competition. But uh, Carlson would really have to just flop and lay an egg not to win. I mean, you don't draft a kicker and right. keep him on your team, and it Agreed. just doesn't happen. And so, you remember the year when 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 Childress brought in the uh, the four punters to try to scare Cluey, and they were kicking it in the woods and kicking it out. You know, that was after the, the Saints game. Yes, yeah that that was that was not a competition. That was a talking party show. This this you know this is a little bit more of a competition, but I still think it would have to be really go haywire for uh, Forbath to make this team. July thirty first, two thousand nine. Chip Scoggins tweets: Jackson Lofts perfect pass rolling right to Dugan along sideline. Hashtag strip bikes. Was that? Was, how many times do we tweet about Tavares Jackson looking great in camp or? Mini camps. There's probably like thousands. I've of got guys. 30 John David Booty tweets. <laughs> Collar found every last one of them. Was was one of them when we walked into Applebee's and he saw us and like. <laughs> it was him and who? That? Who was he with? A lineman, yeah, right? John Sullivan, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, probably was. Yeah, he, he wasn't was too thrilled to see the, us. Uh, he thought he was getting away from uh, all the riffraff and me and Judd walking to Applebee's for our 
daily uh, nightly beer. I miss I miss those tall boys, Chipper. I miss those tall. I miss that. You, personally, it's simpler to have training camp here in Egan, but I miss my nightly two or three tall boys. My car almost instinctively drove down there yesterday, just <laughs> just the camp and to have the uh, Applebee's Coronas uh, post practice. Yes, I miss it too. August 21st, 2009. Tavares Jackson now in. Favre's night is done. One for four, four yards. Hashtag strip bikes. That was the night practice. The night practice that year. Oh, no, wait, wait. Favre, you said? Yeah, it was... uh, When's that? No, when's that from? It was August 21st. Oh, we we were home then. One for four, four yards. That was from Winter Park or something. Great detail. Or or a preseason game. I'm saying that's not for Mankato. No, that's not for Mankato because Brett never, <laughs> Brett never said. But although, tell Collar, tell Collar the story, Chipper, the legend of when they thought they saw Brett Favre in the Rockford car down there. They, yeah, there was someone saw Brett Favre drive up in a Camaro to the Walmart in in Mankato and was walking around the Walmart after he got out of his Camaro. That that one was. Uh, there was a tweet. Somebody tweeted that. Somebody ra- retweeted it. You might be able to find it. The Mankato TV station raced across town. That's I'm not joking. <laughs> um, July 6th, 2010, per Tavares Jackson's conditioning, he said he's been running in Alabama, but that quote was a long 4th of July weekend. <laughs> oh, oh, that that was at the, what, what's the date on that? <laughs> that was uh, July 6th. That was, that was at Fitzy's camp, and that's when Tavares got done and threw up all over the place. <laughs> Guys were hung over from the, uh, yeah. the long weekend. He yeah. puked all over. <laughs> It was it was it was epic. This is amazing. Thanks, Chipper. So, caller, you think we're not we're not good tweeters, huh? Uh, I, I I still I think my game up. Judd is still terrible. You don't tweet enough. Detailed, detailed, and Chip. That's what we. If are. you ever do this again, I will personally assault you. Don't if allow. You, if you ever now, you know what? Hashtag strip bikes ever. You know again. what? The great thing about Chip and I, we don't listen to kids. So, <laughs> get off right. our lawn. Thanks, Goggins. Right. All right, boys. We'll uh, see you. Again. I'll see you soon enough. Bye. Yeah, we don't listen to people like you. These are some you are you really are bad what, tweets. You are what we like to call the naysayers, the doubters. We got no time for you. <laughs> Is Courtney jo- joining us next or not till 1230? Do we know? Uh, she can join us next. Let's have her join us next, and then we'll get to questions at 1230. Mackie and Judd today is uh, the young, the younger punk and Zolgan. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. This portion of Mackie and Judd today with Judd and Collar is sponsored by Metafast. In the TCL Broadcast Studios, let's bring uh, Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com Vikings reporter extraordinaire, into the conversation. I want to start you off with this simple question. Courtney, when you, when you take a photo... And tweet tweet it out. And let's say it's somewhat proprietary. It's really cool. Let's say let's say it's your new free agent quarterback playing some cornerback in a drill. So it's a cool one and I'm sure it gets retweeted a lot. If that is then stolen by somebody and used as their own, do you get frustrated? Yeah. I mean, I learned to pick my battles. Uh this life is short and uh I have a lot of mountains to climb, as Kirk Cousins would say. Um and I have a lot more battles to pick. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, you know, I guess I'm a trendsetter or I guess at least it's a nice validation that you like took something that was, you know, good hashtag content. I don't know. 
Uh, but yes, I mean, it is a little annoying to see your photo without a photo cred, but I'm not, I can be petty. Like I can go zero to petty in about three, like very, very quickly. So it's, uh, I'm not going to be petty in that one request a photo credit, but yes, I know the picture you're referring to. I know the tweet and the Instagram post used it twice. Wow. Uh, wow. Multiple platforms. Used by, let's make this clear, used by Kirk used Cousins. By the marketing arm for Kirk Cousins. So let's let's just look at it this way. How many pictures of yours would Kirk Cousins' social media team have to take before you would say something to Kirk Cousins about stealing your pictures? What's the over-under on that? 69 pictures? I don't know. Like, I mean, who knows at this point? I mean, probably more than one. I, I was thinking like four, but uh, here's what I think. I think if he did it to me four times, I'd be like, "Hey, Kirk, can you at hey, least Courtney, just give me credit for that?" Courtney, I think doing a job here. I think today, I think today, you go up to him and bust his chops. He'll respect it, and it might help you. I well, think you go up to him, bust his chops. We've already talked to him uh, this morning, and uh, he, you know, didn't get a chance to, you know, between everything about him getting back here and everything else, did not get a chance to ask him about playing cornerback and be like, "Oh, yeah, there's really nice." So you'll appreciate this, Courtney. Um, I found an old tweet of Judd talking about the starting center and whether he would be the backup long snapper. I found that from 2009. Oh, man. Did, he, did the guy end up becoming the backup long snapper? No. No, no he didn't. Not no. even close. No. No. He was the center no. and did not even come close to that job. Uh, what, else wow, uh, did, what else did we take? I just thought you'd like to know. That's not a question. Uh, that, that is pertinent uh, <laughs> information for me. What else did you take away from Mr. Kirk Cousins and his time talking with the media about being back here? You know, I think it's a really different time for him in training camp. Yes, he's been the starting quarterback in Washington uh, you know, the past three seasons. But, you know, John Filippo made a really good point here that anytime you have a quarterback competition in camp, you don't have a starter. You don't have a guy. Uh, and obviously that's not the case here. You know, you're paid $84 million. You know who your starting quarterback's going to be. Um, but it kind of gives Kirk, you know, he's, he's treaded carefully, uh, you know, throughout the spring and knowing how much he can exert himself as a leader and how much he wants to kind of, you know, put his own message out there, really take hold and leader, you know, ownership of his guys. Um, and, and I think that he's felt he's had more of the, you know, the, the right to do that. And, you know, the team gave him, as he said, the team kind of gave him the keys that it's your show uh, when he got here. And maybe that was something he wasn't expecting so quickly, uh, you know, to happen kind of so seamlessly, as he put it, um, when he got here. So, you know, I think the other thing, too, was the type of contract, that he signed three years, eighty-four million, fully guaranteed. A lot of times, that can rub guys the wrong way and not make, you know, that could almost those types of figures could potentially shift somebody to not want to respect you, um, to not want to follow your lead. But you know, he said, hey, you know, doesn't money doesn't matter if you're a fake. No one's going to follow your lead. And I thought that was a pretty uh, telling comment from Cousins. Me, he's pretty confident that you know his guys truly believe in what he's trying to do here. So uh, between seeing him talk t- today and, and having gone down uh, to his camp, Courtney, what's yes. your what's your what's your sense about how comfortable he, he is w- with this role? Because he's always previously had the they don't believe in, in me card to play, and he made a lot from the Redskins. But even at that time, it was uh, they're franchising me, so they don't believe in, in me long term. What's your sense in the fact that he's now plopped into a, a situation where essentially everyone around the franchise he's playing for says, 
we believe in you, and it's to a degree where we think that, that you can win a championship for us. Do you think he's comfortable with that role yet? I mean, he's got to be. I, I, this is, it's uncharted territory for him in a way. He said he never had peace. Uh, he never felt like he had a peace in, in Washington with wanting to stay there long term, and I think a lot of that stems from the, the fact of the franchise tag. I mean, that's kind of an indictment to do it two years in a row. Sure. Um, but for him here, you know, this is a role that, you know, for better or for worse, he can't, you know, if he fails in this, it's, you know, he, there will never be another second chance. Um, and, and that, to me, is a big takeaway with how he approaches this and how he, you know, he has everything he's ever wanted. And sometimes that can be too much. It's like, you, you know, you're, you're talking about drinking out of a fire hose and something that he used as an analogy for just, like, learning the playbook and kind of being overwhelmed. I think it's an overwhelming sense of, you know, I have everything I want. I can't screw this up. Um, you know, he'll always go back and point out, you know, football's a team game. I think that's, you know, for a lot of guys, a defense mechanism. Um, but that might be the way he channels not putting too much pressure on himself and really trying to, you know, tune out all of these mounting expectations that are only going to get higher because you can hold on to that underdog story all you want. The perception change when you sign that contract that you cannot be an underdog anymore, and rightfully so, but that's an identity he's had you know, for almost 30 years now. I mean, probably not when he was like two years old and you think he was an underdog, but I mean, as a. As he might have. Maybe. Is, he a, might have. Possibly. He might have. They you might don't have believe in me. Like, Kirk, you're such an underdog. We're doubting you. You can't. Um, you can't draw with crayons. I don't know what you do. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's, I think holding on to that for him is, is a defense mechanism, too, of, you know, not letting this whole thing, this whole picture get, you know, out of hand. Something that does help Kirk Cousins, though, is that Delvin Cook appears to be completely healthy and ready to go, fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's some limited reps with Delvin right now. They're trying to still kind of work him back into this, but John Filippo mentioned it earlier that you know, during a blitz session yesterday, I mean, he was right there with protections, which going back to camp last year at this time, that was the thing everyone was talking about, how smart he was as a running back, and even as young as he was, to understand protections and be able to grasp that concept uh, kind of from the jump. I mean, it's like it's, he's been in lockstep with that since he got back here. Um, Kirk even said, he's like, I haven't gotten to see the full Dalvin that everybody talked about, the explosiveness, the elusiveness, just because they have been throughout the spring into where we're at right now, kind of, you know, pulling back on the reins a little bit before they let him go, you know, full go. But, you know, as we found out this morning, you know, it's, it's not really any new news, but there are no restrictions on Dalvin. So once pads come on, once they're able to, be in that type of environment where you know you get to see what Dalvin Cook is and who he is um, on the field. I think that Kirk is going to be in a much better position I and mean, probably even more confident because this may, I mean, he's so good with play action. Having a running back like Dalvin should only make him even better. Thanks, Courtney. Talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Yep. Courtney Cronin of ESPN.com. Check out her work there. She covers the Vikings on a daily basis out at a training camp. Uh, this is the second day of rookies. Uh, they, they reported yesterday or two days ago in practice for the first time yesterday, uh, but the quarterbacks also showed up. And then the first full practice after they take uh, tomorrow for the Esperanto service will be on Saturday. David, what's coming up in questions? We've got a Twins question or two, as well as one about the latest signing from your Minnesota Wild we've yet to discuss. We'll do that next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN.
Atul Mackie, Judd Zolgad. I think these guys get each other going. Mackie and Judd. It's a good group of guys. They're just waiting for everything to kind of click again and come back together. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, David. Questions time. What do you got? So the Twins, after being swept in Kansas City, disgustingly, going to Toronto and sweep three from the Blue Jays. Of course. Now we're in Boston. Four with the Red Sox. Then you come home for three with the uh, Cleveland Indians. So Uh a week from today, after those seven games are up, what will the Twins need to have done for it to be happening? Oh, They need to win every game, I think. Lord help us. Right? <laughs> Go ahead. Just answer the question. I, I'm so disgusted by it. I mean, it, I mean, isn't that right? Wouldn't they have to win? They would have to like win that one every one of those games, and Cleveland would have to lose most of those games. Seven and a half back right now. Yeah, they would need to cut it to like two and a half. But still, how many games under five hundred? Six games right now. There were nine after Kansas City, I believe. So I think there's six. Oh, right that now. sounds right. Yeah, they're they're going to need to sweep. They're going to need to sweep Boston. They're going to need to sweep Cleveland. That's exactly right. Uh, and I I would actually say that they also would need to retroactively go back and sweep KC from right after the All Star break. Well, they could sweep KC after they play the Indians because they have KC, and then they get four more against the Indians. Judd. You know what? And I wouldn't care. I would trade everyone. They I could be five could. up on the still... division in two weeks. Just saying. I have no time for that question. <laughs> I have no time for this team. I have no time for that question. All right. How about this question? Tonight, Gibson versus Brian Johnson. <laughs> Tomorrow, Lynn versus Sale. Saturday, Odorizzi versus Porcello. Sunday is still TBD, according to the Twins website, but I would assume Barrios back on the mound against Nathan Ivaldi in the series finale at Fenway Park. Yeah. You've got the pitching matchups. Tell me the final score of each game. Every game? Every game, all four. Start with Gibson versus Johnson tonight. Uh, five to three. Seven to five, Boston. Are you saying Boston Bo- as well? Yeah, sure. Lynn Sale. <laughs> uh, 14 to one. Uh, Boston. Yeah, uh, 11 to eight, Boston. Four, 14 to one, 14 strikeouts for Sale. Sale kind of surprises us. Maybe he wasn't concentrating as hard as he should have against the Twins. And he gives a few dingers. Okay, that'll happen. That's what I'm going to say. Odorizzi versus Porcello Saturday. Uh, four hours, 37 minutes. <laughs> Nine inning game. Uh, six to five, Boston. I'm going to say that's a that's a two to one, and the game-winning run is scored by the Twins on an error Ooh. when they lay down a bunt inexplicably, and it gets criticized on Twitter. But the Boston catcher picks it up, throws it in right field, game over. Feels like a write that down right there. That does feel like a write that At down. At some very point, good. we'll have to keep that in mind just in case the off chance it really does happen. For a write that down, I will say at some point there is a catcher error by the Boston catcher. No. Does it count if it's Garver? By Mitch Garver. Hey, and by the way, congratulations, <laughs> Mitch. Great game. Great game on Wednesday. Now let's find your position. Final game then Sunday. TBD slash, I would assume, Burrios versus Ivaldi. Uh, yeah, PPD, Rain. 
It's rained out. <laughs> it's rained out, and it's never made up because it doesn't matter to either team. How many games are left that we have to pick? That's, That's it. Oh, okay. Just these four. I'm I just wanted it. to know what's going to happen in the Boston I'm series. postponing this one. I'm postponing Twins this coming one. off the big sweep. I'm postponing this one because of rain. If they somehow go to Boston and win three out of four, it's still not happening. It, it just it isn't. Is it still but happening? What could be interesting with this team is they could trade wow. away Brian Dozier and a couple of relievers, and then they go into August with a fairly easy schedule and a bunch of matchups with Cleveland. They could win games, and there. they could still come out where it's a, a race between them and Cleveland. And it I'm, goes all the way down to the end. And I'm fine with that as long as they make all the trades that they need to make, which is a lot. Five trades. Five so guys it, gone. it could still be happening later, then, is what you're saying. But that would be with a feel-good bunch. That that would be with young players who are called up. That would be with a team that I can embrace. That would be with a team that I might like. You could like this team if you just open up your heart a little bit. I can't like Lance Lynn. No, let's talk. Oh, yeah, I please. Can't, I can't do this. Least He is the least likable this. Minnesota twin since I've been here. Since Tommy Hare. What do you mean? He's a big guy. That means he's jolly, right? No, he's he not jolly. That's the jolly thing. He's not jolly. Ever. <laughs> I mean, when you're fat, you're supposed to be happy. You're, I'm happy. You're pitching in Major League Baseball, man. I am happy. You are not happy. You're act far like, from happy. Act like $14 million isn't that bad. Yeah, and he's like, instead, I, I should have just taken the tender, the qualifying offer from the Cardinals, and well, I yeah. could still be in St. Louis. He should have. And by the way, the Cardinals are a bleeping mess. Why would you still want to be in St. Louis? Matheny got fired. Uh, their GM ripped Fowler. The Cardinals are uh, the Cardinals got problems. I think they're second to last in the National League Central. Why do you want to be in St. Louis right now? The biggest problem is they don't have Lance Lynn. If he was there, he'd have about a you know 3.2 ERA. Be he'd be dealing. You know why, they'd be in the you race. You know why he wishes he was there? Because he knows if he was there, he could sweat his fat butt off and lose some weight. Well, he'd have a real catcher if he was there. I mean, that helps. Well, just, just give him Bobby Wilson. Just have but Mitch he, Garver play. Bobby's nice, but even then. Listen, if you want to find a position for Mitch Garver, if you like him, DH him or something else, that's fine. But spend the rest of the season trying to find a position for the poor guy. Quit making him catch. Um, can I throw something out there to you that just happened? Uh-oh. Sure. I, it's a trade, but the person who broke the trade, I mean, this is surprising. Um, and you know, call it liberal media if you want, but apparently, according to John Heyman, Senator Dianne Feinstein broke a trade of the Brewers acquiring... Joaquin Soria. Well, that's a heck of a wow. scoop. I, what, what happened there? I mean, the senator, she should be doing law things. No, you government know what? And it's such. a new America. Lawmaking. It's a new America. You're right. Yeah, it's senators new, are out there you breaking see, we're trades. Not, we're, not, we're, we're holding true to old principles. He tweeted. I want Brewers, politicians breaking trades. John Heyman tweeted, Brewers acquire Joaquin Soria at Senator Feinstein first. I like it. So I, I, I'm going to guess he tagged the wrong person, but maybe she's really into baseball. What if she broke it? What if someone called that, her? Then good for and her. She broke it. The news yesterday out of St. Paul was the five-year deal for Jason Zucker. A week after Matt Dumba got a five-year contract with the Minnesota Wild, little extension for both of them. So I ask you. What's the better signing for the Wild going forward? Five years with Dumba or five years with Zucker? This is going to take two seconds. Collar, go ahead. Uh, it's, not even, it's not even close. Well, I mean, the Dumba deal is, I think, fantastic. That's yeah. like an A-plus contract for a guy who last year, by any measure that you want to look at, uh, including defensive, he was one of the best defensemen in the NHL last year. You can look at who he played against. It was top lines. I believe he played the most minutes of anybody against Patrick Kane. 
and he came away with great numbers, and the defensive shortcomings have gotten a lot less. And over the next five years, he could get even better. Mm-hmm. That's a great contract. What they got Zucker for isn't bad. The concern with Zucker was that when you score a career high in goals going into your RFA year, that your team will go nuts to keep you and then overpay and they won't get the value back. But I don't think that they went nuts. Though they still could trade him. 5.5. They could still trade him. 5.5 salary cap hit. They could still. AAV. They could still look at that contract and say, okay, now it's reasonable for everybody out there who might want to trade for him. My spies tell me that they, in fact, did try to trade him and that they couldn't find what they felt was a proper Mm. value for a guy that had scored 30 plus goals. So they didn't. Um, Microsoft of the Athletic has this. I'm not surprised by that at all. This is the most important thing. And, And to answer your question, David, the Dumba contract is a home run. The Zucker contract I'm fine with. Now the pressure's on, Jason. Can you do something in the playoffs? Because I will give you this. Jason had, in five playoff games against the Jets this past spring, no points. Sorry, don't give me small sample size BS. That's not good. You need more. Jason has one goal and no assists in his last ten playoff games. Sorry, don't give me no this small sample size BS again. That's not good enough. You get to the playoffs, you start producing. Now, here's the good news. Michael Russo has this, the athletic. Contract carries an annual salary cap hit of $5.5 million and what's believed to be, and this is the most important thing I'm, I'm going to tell you guys, a 10-team modified no-trade clause during the final four years of the deal, which means they will continue likely to try and trade him next season. Because it's not going to kick in until the final four years. Mm-hmm. That means, Jason... This has always been the guy I thought that, that they would That means, Jason, what they're going to try to do, and listen very closely, because I know you got deep roots here and you seem like a really nice guy, so this is not an indictment of you. But that means, folks, what they're going to try and do is, if you get hot and you start to score, Paul Fenton, who once again, I'll say this, has a lot of time here now. The pressure's not on him. Paul Fenton can start to shop you if you're hot. And as you get to the... National Hockey League trade deadline, as Collar can tell you, you're going to have teams come around and be like, whoa, 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 Jason Zucker's red hot. What would I have to trade you to get him? So so I love this contract and how it's structured and how it's done. It's a good contract. He's eminently tradable, and he's completely tradable during the course of the 2018-19 season. Congratulations, Paul Fenton. Good job. And if you look up, if you look at shaking up the core... And you look at a guy who has 31 playoff games and four playoff goals, and you go back and you watch those games, you may come away with the conclusion that other teams know how to slow him down in the biggest games. And if that is your conclusion, then you look around with a guy who's valuable, under a good contract, who can help a winning team, so he's he's going to be able to get you some return He's the guy where you say, yeah, we can shake up somebody that hasn't worked out in the same core for a long time. Because I think that's Minnesota Wild fans' biggest complaint is that they've been doing the same thing with the same results over and over again. And And, they are correct. And they're exactly right. But this group of Nino and Granlund, Zucker, that group, I think that you're going to have, I think what's going to happen here is Fenton's going to take them into the season and see who he likes and who who he doesn't like. And I think there's a very good chance that at the deadline in February of next year, he start he moves at least one or two of those guys. And I think there's a very good chance this is a non-playoff team. I agree. And, you know, if everybody around the league, when you're a first-time general manager, 
they all try to call and rip you off. Yeah, I think you're right. And I saw yep. this in Buffalo, and the guy did get ripped off yep. a bunch of times. And Fenton's smart. And I think Fenton is smart. So he is not going to let them do that. And it doesn't surprise me that you said they shopped him and weren't able to get the return because I think all the old school GMs go, yep, they're anxious. There's blood in the water. But guess what happens they want to trade. on February 9th? Those old school GMs panic. I got to have a guy that can score goals. Yes, they do. I got to get the guy. He's got 25 goals. Let's trade for him right now. It's a fun game that they play. But definitely, if you're panicking about them not making a trade, that could be one of the reasons why. Exactly. All right, let's come back and wrap things up. Mackie and Judd today's Olgad and Collar. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. We've been ratted out, boys. On 1500 ESPN. Time is running out. If you've ever dreamed about hosting your own radio show, sportscast, or idol, it's your chance, but you only have until Sunday to get your audition in. Upload your best two to four minute local sports take onto our website, and you could win your very own show on 1500 ESPN for a full year. Get all the details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword. Idol. Mm, local sports take. Do you got any of those, Judd? Uh, nothing. I got nothing for we you. We should continue nope. to have local sports. <laughs> I got not. I know. I got no hot takes. That is my. I take. got no. I stay away from hot takes. Uh, Phil Savage. You know him? Yeah. Used to be the general manager of the Browns, yep. and then was running the Senior Bowl until recently. He said him at the combine this times, yeah. on Twitter web. He <laughs> said. At Memphis wide receiver, former Memphis wide receiver, Anthony Miller, who's the third-round pick from the Bears, who I had mentioned to you guys in the lead-up of the draft, Mm -hmm. he said is going to be an immediate contributor as a rookie, arguably the best player on the field this morning, super quick, sticky hands, and production usually adds up to NFL success because he had a lot of catches in Memphis. The Bears, Judd, are the most interesting team in the NFL to me. I think, okay, when, when you were in a couple weeks ago with us, I think Mackie might have dismissed you on that. I might be wrong on that. I thought somebody dismissed you on the Bears. And when he comes back, I'm going to fight him. And I'm with you. I think the Bears, I think this division is going to be very tough. Yes. Now, Detroit, I don't have a feel for. I don't. But Green Bay is going to be back. Chicago, I think, is going going to be much improved. And just John Fox being gone, too, is going to help. Because mm-hmm. John Fox had his day. He, at one time, was a good coach. But he was so... Far past that, and I think the the youthful enthusiasm of, of a coach of the guy that they hired from the Chiefs is going to help. Uh, I think this division is going to be a dog fight. So, if I gave you one hundred dollars to yes. bet on the teams in the NFC North, how would you divvy up your one hundred dollars for how much you would bet on each to uh, make the playoffs or win the division? To win the division. Okay, so I got a hundred dollars. There's one hundred big ones. Mm, let me see here. Take I'm your o- time. I'm only putting about ten dollars on Detroit. I'm putting very little on Detroit. Detroit is the hardest one to figure. I just out. don't have. Just don't know what the coach. And they're and because they're because they're Detroit, I don't have much faith in them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and I think here's the problem. I think the Patricia Act might not work. Like, we're yep. seeing a shift towards young, energetic coaches, guys that come in with really positive, here's what I think, but I care what you think. Mm-hmm. Whether it's true or not, the players buy into that. And now you're getting another guy from the Belichick tree, which often fails, 
And as we discussed on the Wednesday show, this whole I'm going to run you thing, players are like, believe you. I don't do that. Like, you don't, they, they don't respect that. Can you, A generation did, but these guys don't. Can you believe that Detroit had Matt Stafford, Dominican Sue, Kelvin Johnson all at the same time and won nothing? Yes, because they're Detroit, and I've watched them my entire life. Man. I absolutely can. I absolutely but can. They didn't even come close. They didn't even make any noise. They weren't even relevant. They may have been in the playoffs one or two times in the hunt, but they were they were never in your conversation, and they had those three players. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. All right, so if I'm going to do this, I'm going to put $40 on the Vikings. Okay. I'm going to put 30 on the Green Bay Packers. So that gets me up to $20 left since I've got 10 on Detroit, if my math is correct here. And you can certainly check it. And I'm putting the rest on the Bears. I don't think the Bears are a huge threat to win the division. I just think they're going to cause problems. I agree there. I, I think you're talking the about... The Packer-Viking thing, the Packer-Viking thing, I'm really unsure of, by the way. Like, like, I don't have a good feel for this. Upsets. You go to Soldier Field, they upset you there. Yes. Because they surprise, they're just better. They surprise you, they and they hang around as far as a playoff contender. That doesn't mean that they they win the division, but between trying to split it between the Vikings and Packers, I really don't know. They have some good players on defense, too. Their defense was pretty solid last year. If you remember... The Bears? They, the Bears' they, defense was really good. Yeah, the Vikings, both times they played them, had some troubles. Yes. against. Now, I know Case Keenum is starting, but neither game was great for Case or the offensive numbers, and they were pretty good overall. So what's I your, think they're going to be a tough team. So what's your give you up with that same $100. I think that I am giving the same amounts to the Packers and Vikings. I will give them both $30. Yep. And one person that I don't think Vikings fans know a whole lot that has joined the Packers is Mike Pettin. But I covered Mike Pettin in Buffalo, and he is a very bright guy. He coached Cleveland at one time? He did. Among that long group of he and Pat Shermer and those guys that all came through Cleveland? (sighs) Yeah, poor guy. And I think Pettin... Penton got to, to Green Bay, and I think one of the first things he said is, I never want to be a head coach again, yes. which is what Cleveland does to you. Cleveland yeah, ruins yeah. you to the point of, in his case, he's like, I never want to do that again. It's not what I want to do. It's not what I like. I think it's also a completely different animal from any other job in football. And I, Mike Zimmer may have taken a couple of years to figure out how different it really was from being a defensive coordinator. Do you get um, the idea? Pettin is very smart. Do you get the idea that Zim enjoys the head coaching job that much like there's certain things i think he absolutely i don't i don't think because i don't think he's a he's a climber type of guy i think he loves to coach mm-hmm. but i think one of the reasons why he holds on to coaching defensive back so much is because he loves to coach yeah. like i think there's a lot of this administrative stuff that he probably absolutely hates yeah hey go and, cut the ribbon for the no tco performance center hey go bleep yourself yeah i think that stuff is hard for him but he you know he's so himself that he has found ways to endear himself to Minnesota. The winning helps, of course. But he's just him. Well, the steely thing here is people like. But also he shows the other side of himself, the sort of caring side. Like yesterday when he starts crying, which is great. That's fantastic. I think that he always wanted to be Bill Parcells. That he watched Bill Parcells Bill Bill Parcells is much more calculated and mean than Mike is. Yes. I don't think Mike Zimmer is nearly as... I think Parcells could be a much worse human being than Mike could ever be. You're probably right. and But I think that that's who he worships and who he tries to model himself after. Even the way he goes around in the you know before the games, busting on players and joking with them is very much like a Parcells sort of thing. And uh, So I think from that aspect, yeah. But at his heart, 
He's a guy who wants to te- teach you the right footwork and how to stick that foot in the ground and lower those hips. We're done, Mackie. Back tomorrow. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.